Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. And we're going to take these next few weeks and, 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 and focus on the cross. Somebody say the cross. And uh, I don't know if you know really what it means or the value that it has. I think it was a, an image, and a lot of times we'll see it on people's chains or people's shirts or people's hats. But do, do you really know? Ask, ask somebody next to you, do, do you really know? Do you really know what it means? And uh, I'm going to start out with a with a passage found in 1 Peter. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, it's, let me give you some, some context of what's taking place because we're going to go post-cross, okay? We're going we're to go back over the next few weeks. But we're going to start off over here. And, you know, Peter is communicating to a church that's facing persecution. Peter was a disciple of Jesus and then became one of the church leaders in Rome in the middle of, of uh, Emperor Nero's reign, which no doubt was... Um, instilled some of the greatest persecution in the believers. And so here you have Peter writing a message in in great persecution, writing a message to the believers. You know, I I think about persecution and I even wonder what that is for me and what that is for you. I think maybe some would know it more than others, but, you know, I was uh, reading online because we read it in the Bible. We read it, you know, overseas. We hear about it. But uh, Open Doors USA said that there's 245 million believers being persecuted. 245 million being instilled with fear, put in prison, or even death. That's one out of nine believers worldwide. In fact, in Nigeria, every two hours a believer dies. Last year alone, 4,650 believers were killed in Nigeria. Talk about persecution. If you had a letter that you could write to the believers in Nigeria, what would you say? I know what I would say. It's time to get out. You know what's going to happen. You know the statistics. It's time. Somebody say flee. Come on, it's time to to flee. But what did Peter write to the believers in Rome who were struggling with persecution? What, What did he say? He said, I need you to remain. I need you to, I need you to live differently. That's what he said. Remain holy. What does he say in, in chapter two? He says, I need you to live submissively. In the middle of it all, I need you to submit to the suffering. And he goes on in the later portion of this letter in 1 Peter. He says, I need you to rejoice in the middle of it. And I need you to rejoice because of it. So live joyfully. This is the message that Peter gives and extends to the dying and persecuted church. Peter, are you, are you crazy, Peter? What are you thinking? I could, have, I could have written something a little bit better. Saying, here's the escape route. <laughs> Here's how to defeat them. Here's how to, here's how to get out. So, so this is where we find ourselves in 1 Peter chapter 21. To think that Peter would point to the one person, because that was, in, that was impossible for them to do, but not with God. Not with God. And so he points right back to the one person who makes all of that possible. And we find ourselves here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. In fact, would you stand one more time? If you have your Bibles, great. If you don't. Um, we won't judge you, but it'll be on the screen. 
I'm going to be reading from the NIV, and uh, my translation might be a little bit different because it's an older translation of the NIV than the newer one that will be on the screen. But listen, it's starting in verse 21. He says, to this you were called. Somebody say called. Turn to the person next to you and tell them you were called. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep. Somebody say sheep. Here we are talking about sheep again. Going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You may be seated. I, uh, I, I think about this, this passage here that Peter is writing. This is, the, this is the message that he sends to the believers that he, he believed would bring encouragement. He believed would help them continue on rather than just leaving. And I wonder for you today, in the middle of what you're facing, in the middle of what you're going through, if you're asking the same question, um, I need an answer. I'm looking, I'm searching, I'm praying. And Peter responds this, and here's the title of this morning's message if you're taking notes. Look no further. Come on, look no further. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that, God, we could come to you and come today and freely worship, and we don't have to necessarily worry about all the persecution that's taking place in other countries. It may come here, and I pray that we would be ready for it. And that just as Peter says in his letter that we would live differently, we'd respond differently, that we would live joyfully in the middle of it, know that it's honoring you and developing something in us. And so, Father, this, this message of looking no further, God, would you encourage us, challenge us, shape us, and it's in your name. Everybody said, one loud voice, amen. Tell the person next to you one more time, look no further. Look no further for the best-looking person in this room than the person sitting right next to you. So look, look no further. Um, do I have any late-night TV watchers out here? Late night. You just got insomnia, so you can't, you can't go to sleep. So what do you do? You turn on the TV, which, by the way, is worse for you. You shouldn't do. But I find myself doing that, and I find myself watching basketball late at night or I'm watching the Jimmy Fallon show late at night. And, and the commercials late at night are just ridiculous. I'm not even sure they're worth showing at that point at that time. But I remember sitting in bed one time, and I was like, couldn't go to sleep. And I saw an ad that said, look no further for the best hurricane windows, and it listed its company. And it said the first 20 callers could have a chance to win $25,000. I, I was sold. I was, and that's how they get you, first 20 callers. And so I, I call, and this is, my wife is sleeping. I'm like, I'm calling, I'm trying to be real quiet. And it's like, you are one of the first 20 callers. Praise God, I'm gonna win $25,000. But they said, you could win $25,000. They said, we're just gonna, we wanna send somebody out there and look at your place and kind of give you an estimate. And I was like, listen, I'm in no place to purchase hurricane windows right now, but I'm in, in a, certainly in a place to win $25,000. So I'm just letting you know that in advance. Like, no worries, we'll figure it out, we'll send somebody. Um, anybody I've ever talked to, like a sales rep of like Hurricane Windows, you know what I'm talking about? They're, they're, they're great people. So he, he came out, and uh, I kid you not, I told this man, listen, I'm not, I'm not looking for to purchase this today, but if I win the $25,000, I, I, will, I will gladly buy some Hurricane. And uh, I think it was about 
three hours. He, it seemed three hours that he sat with us. He looked through. We don't have a big place. We got a, you know, we're on the one story. We don't have a lot of windows and doors. Uh, you know, I know what my parents paid for theirs. I know what my in-laws paid for theirs. I just figured maybe one day I could, I could get it, but I want to win the $25,000. This man had the audacity to quote me, thinking that probably we were kids and we had no idea what we were thinking. He quoted us at $72,000. I kid you not, I laughed. I like chuckled and spit up some water because I was like, you're joking, right? And the dude was so upset that we like wasted his time. You wasted my time. That's what I told him. I was expecting to win $25,000. I told you this whole like, this whole look no further for hurricane windows turned into be like, look no more into hurricane windows because I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I, I know they would help us, especially, you know, we live in South Florida and we got hurricane season coming around the corner. So I know that it might help us, but I just, uh, I didn't, I wanted, I just wanted to win the $25,000. That was it. So look no further really changed for me. But, you know, we hear this all the time. Look no further. Oh, you're going to this place? Look no further. Oh, you're buying this product? Look no further. Oh, you're interested in this life coach? Well, here's the number and I need you to look no further. Imagine with me that you, you are a believer in the middle of persecution. You know, we are facing things like the Christians in Nigeria are facing. And we're being beaten, we're being, we're being put in prison, we're being even, even having friends and family members killed for what they believe. We're having to be secret about our faith in a sense so we don't die. Now, I don't think they're necessarily being secret in Nigeria. I'm gonna, I'm gonna share something about that in just a moment. But just imagine that's who we are. And we're looking for a solution. We're looking for um, hope. We're looking for protection. And even if, if I was these believers in Rome, I'd probably begin to question this whole Jesus thing. Like, you, you were so good, and then you died, and now everything is so bad for me. That's what you may be thinking. I, th I thought everything was going to be great. I thought, everything was gonna, I thought I was going to have favor in my job, but I've had four jobs since because I've been fired from three of them. I thought I was going to have, you might be the issue. It might not be God. You know, we, I thought everything was going to go well. Jesus, now that you've ascended and you, you are now gone, it seems like persecution is more rampant than ever. People are dying for their faith. You see, the cross for these people probably represented at a time fear, embarrassment. This, is, this was a horrific death do you want to be associated with the cross? Would I want to be, would I wear a cross on my chain, you know, loud and proud if I was a believer here in this moment? And so you're looking, you're searching, and then all of a sudden this man Silas shows up. Who's Silas? Silas was a man who worked with Paul on his journeys. Silas is now working with Peter. Peter send, he sent, he said, Silas, I need you to send this message to the persecuted believers. And so all of a sudden, Silas shows up, and you are so excited that a disciple who was close to Jesus is sending a letter to us. He's given us the, the directions to the escape pod. He's given us the formula to call the legions of, of angels to come and kill our persecutors. I mean, this is good news. And Silas begins to read it, and he says, I need you to stay put. I, you need me to stay you need me to stay put where I'm at? I need you to stay put. This was the message. I need you to live differently. I need you to live joyfully. I need you to, somebody say, stay put. I need you to stay put. I need you to keep rejoicing. This is the message that says, look no further for your hope in the middle of your persecution than a hope that is living, a living hope named Jesus. I need you to look no further. And so here is where we find our 
teaching in 1 Peter chapter 2, 21. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil my points for you. I'm going to give you three points right up front, and then we'll talk about them so you can keep me on track. Number one, Jesus sets the example. We find this in the first two verses, 21 and 23. Number two, Jesus does the saving. That's in verse 24. And then in verse 25, we find Jesus never stops restoring. All right, so let's go. Somebody say, look no further. Number one, Jesus sets the example. He said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, he said to this, you were called. Somebody say, I was called. In other words, you were chosen for this moment. You were appointed. You were assigned. You were selected. Some of you need to remember that you were called to this. Some of you need to remember that you were appointed to a time such as this. And if we can remember who is calling us, then we'll remember who is equipping us. And so he says, to to you who were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow, somebody say follow, that you should follow in his steps, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. So Christ suffered for us, leaving us the greatest example. How, How many know that Jesus was the example, Jesus is the example, and Jesus will always be the example? Anybody thankful for Jesus being the example in this place today? So look no further, Peter says. Look no further. Here's the thing. Jesus is an example that we should just look over at and applaud at, but he's the example that we are to follow. Because how many know this? You will not follow what you don't believe to be the best. And I'll explain it. You won't follow what you believe to be the best. If you're in here and you have dreams and hopes of being in the NFL and you want to win a Super Bowl, what quarterback are you going to ask questions to? Well, as great as Dan Marino was down here in South Florida, he never won a Super Bowl. So who are you going to ask? You're going to ask the GOAT. Come on, none other than Tom Brady. I know some of you don't even like that name. Some of you are like, oh, you're using the devil's name in church. But Tom Brady, who's won seven, he's been to ten, he could, he could possibly have a few more, right? In Jesus' name, he could have a few more. So, so who are you going to ask? Only, that, only what you believe is the best. If, if you're a business owner and you want to do well, you want to succeed, who do you look to? What books do you read? Who do you ask? Well, you're going to ask the person who has done it very well. You're going to ask the business owner who knows what he's doing. You're not interested in picking up a book that says, um, here's how to sort of kind of run your business. You're going to pick up a book that says, here's how to run your business successfully. Is because you saw something in that person. You saw something in that company. Now, it may not be the best to anybody else, but to you it is because you've deemed it the best. Therefore, you'll follow it because to you, come on, somebody say to me, to me, and just, I'm just getting us to understand, we'll follow what the experts say. Well, I can't really say the experts say anymore these days, all right? We used to be able to say that, right, back in the day, before I was born. We'll follow what the experts say. I'll follow that. But what the mediocre, almost finished school people say, um, probably not. This is what our line of thinking is. Now, I'm not saying that you can't learn from anybody else who doesn't do it as well. But when you find something that you like, when you find somebody that does it well, you see, you like, and you do. Peter is showing us the the greatest example. Now, we we live in South Florida. We're constantly bombarded with hurricanes that seem to come at us and just miss us. So who are we looking to for our information? Not the local news channel. We're looking for Jim Cantor. Come on, some of you know who Jim Cantor is? He's the dude that when he shows up to your place, you are scared. You don't want Jim Cantor because Jim Cantor, he's the bald dude, 
that's always in, in, in the weather channel. He's always talking about her. He's always in the middle. I'm like, what are you doing in the middle of the hurricane? But that's where he's at. So you trust in somebody like that. I'll, I'll trust what the experts say, but not what the mediocre people say. Now, what, what Peter here is writing, he's saying, listen, th- th- this is the greatest example that you will ever find in your life on how to do this whole Christian thing. Th- this is the I see, I do approach. Some of you have been trying to accomplish that which you don't even know because you haven't even seen. Some of you are trying to figure out this whole love thing. I have anybody trying to figure out this? Any single people in here trying to figure out this whole love thing? Come on, single people, look around. Right, raise, hands are raised. You know, you're trying to figure out this whole love thing, but you're watching shows like Love is Blind and The Bachelor. You're trying to, Jesus, just give me an answer. You're trying to figure out this whole abstaining from sex thing, but, you know, before marriage, and you're watching shows like on Netflix, Too Hot to Handle. But you're saying, God, I, I want to I pursue you in purity. I want to honor you in, in, in how I love and who I love. But this is who we look to. This is what we're turning on. This is what we're consumed with. No wonder why we're failing in that area. Because of what we're, what we're getting and what we're retaining. And Scripture is clear that inside there is a well. And what you put in it will come out of that. So you've got to be very careful what you put in. Peter says, look no further for your hope than the living hope Jesus. It's right here. This is what Peter says to the persecuted Christians. It's right here. The problem isn't that you failed to have an example. The problem is that you have a horrible example. Some of you got a horrible, come on, somebody say amen to that. Some of us have horrible examples that we have been following. And maybe it is time to unfollow some of those on Instagram. Maybe it is time to delete some of those numbers on our phone. Maybe it is time to delete some of those apps because we have been doing a horrible job, not at following, but at following the wrong thing. We want to know. We're looking. We're desperate. We're asking. We're saying, God, I need a hope that is steady. I need a hope that is firm. And Peter says, it's right here. Can I tell you two things that Jesus examples best? Because Jesus sets the example. That's point number one. Here's two things that he examples best if you're taking notes. Number one, sinlessness. And here's what we find in first, verse 21. It said, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Verse 22 He committed no sin. Somebody say no sin. Can anybody be honest and say, I don't think I've committed a sin this morning. Maybe, maybe, okay, maybe a few of us honest liars in here. So he said, he said, I've committed, he's committed no sin, but, and no deceit was found in his mouth. You know, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, this is what it says. Everyone who sins breaks the law. Somebody raise your hand and say, I'm everyone. Come on, I am everyone. Everyone who sits break, sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So Jesus was the perfect answer. Jesus was the, the perfect offering. You, you remember in the Old Testament, the part that you kind of forget to read, the Old Testament, God commanded the Israelites to sacrifice animals because of their sin. You know what one of the requirements were for those animals? They had to be what? Spotless. And I know some of you animal lovers out here are like, I can't believe God would ever do that to an animal or cause humans to do or prescribe sacrifices of animals. Do we have any animal lovers out here? I'm an animal. I'm a dog lover, not a cat lover. I'm an animal lover. How could a God like that take an innocent animal who had done no wrong, who didn't hurt anybody, be used in place of the person sacrificing it. How could a God like that do that? Oh, you just wait because the New Testament comes around. And guess what replaced that animal? 
a spotless, perfect lamb. You know what his name was? Jesus. How many of you thank God that we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore? Some of you were like, I'd like to sacrifice mine right now. <laughs> Some of you are just tired of all the hair everywhere. You're just like, man, why? You, you, you got the animal, so you love the animal. You treat the animal with respect. You put a bumper sticker on your, okay, you don't have to go that far, okay? But Jesus replaced that. He, he was, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that God who made him, who knew no sin, to be the sin for us. He became your sin, he became my sin, so that what? That we might become the righteousness of God. So he was the one that was replacing. We, we don't have to do that anymore because Jesus came. Jesus sets the example when it comes to sinlessness. One author put it this way, only a sinless savior could atone for sinful men. He was also the greatest example of submissiveness. Sinlessness and submissiveness. Look at verse 23. It said, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. But instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Notice the silence of Jesus. Notice the silence of his voice and the silence of his actions. I mean, why aren't you doing anything, Jesus? Do you know the power that you have. These, these people are insulting you. Could you imagine walking by the street and somebody insulting you? Could you imagine driving by and somebody in, I mean, what are you thinking? Blessed be the name of the Lord, you know? <laughs> Praise God for the insults. No, you want to say something. You want to do something. I mean, we love, as a culture, we love vengeance. I read about a story from a man named Broken Bow, Nebraska. I didn't even know that was a, a city in Nebraska. I wonder how they even named that city, Broken. Was there like a bow that was broken and some dude was like, I now deem this country or state uh, broken, but whatever. You know, that's irrelevant to the story. So there's this, this truck driver pulls up to a diner because he's hungry and he's, he's been driving all day and he shows up to this diner. He starts eating his food and three dudes on motorcycles pull up. Oh, the motorcycle gang. Anybody seen Wild Hogs? Uh, you know, so, so anybody drive motorcycles? I mean, yeah, motor, come on. I wish I could drive a motorcycle. I just don't know how. So these three motorcycle dudes come in. They're just looking for trouble. You know, one man pushes him as he walks in. The guys are sitting there trying to eat his food. One guy grabs some of his eggs. One dude grabs some of his coffee. And this man is just like, you know what? He gets up, he pays his bill, and he gets out, and he heads out in his truck. And those motorcyclists were like, what a man he is. And the waitress was like, what a driver he is. Apparently he didn't know how to drive. He just went out and he, I think he knocked over three motorcycles. <laughs> We're like, yes, yes, come on, knock him over. Beat him to the curb. Let's go. I love, yes, I want vengeance. He took your scrambled eggs. He just took your, you know, $20,000 bike. Let's go. I, I love stories like that. Anybody else like stories like that? My wife and I watched this show called Revenge. We were like addicted to this show, Revenge. We were all, now I would never do that, but I wanted to watch it. You know, it was just, what's going on? Jesus, how are you not saying anything? These people are insulting you. These people are mocking you. These people are spitting at your face. Peter tried. What did Peter? Peter took out his knife and cut off some dude's ear. I mean, that probably, that probably wouldn't have been me. I wouldn't have been that, that, that you know, that I, I was just being like, okay, come on, let's go. You know, but that, that's Peter. Maybe that's you. Like, let's take up our arms. Let's go. Let's fight. 
But Jesus, Jesus doesn't do anything. In fact, Jesus submits to it. Why would you submit to the suffering Jesus? But Jesus knew the end goal, and he knew that if he didn't submit to it, what wouldn't happen? And so he, he submits to this. Now, notice that he doesn't actually do nothing. He does do something. There is a response. And it says this in the second half of verse 23. Instead of retaliating, instead of making threats like many of us, man, we already we got a list of things we're ready to do to people. Um, Jesus does say something. He does respond one way. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Wow. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. You know, Proverbs 20, 22 says, do not say, I will repay evil, but wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. Is there anybody in this room, anybody watching online that has experienced the deliverance and are thankful for the deliverance of God? Come on, how many would not be sitting here today if it wasn't for God delivering you out of where you were? Come on, I'm so thankful for the deliverance of God. Some of you right now, you are harboring things inside of you. Envy, jealousy, covetousness, which has stemmed from vengeance. You're ready to go, and God is saying it's time to eliminate the plans. Come on, it's time to eliminate that thinking. Some of us have to confess some sins because, man, we are holding some things in. We are ready to go. We have our list of what we're going to do and what we won't do and who we're not going to tell. And God is saying it's time to eliminate those plans. It's time to get rid of them. It's time to entrust them to me. You know what? All your anger, all, 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 your, um, uh, all your hurts, all your pain, all that you want to do, all that you want to retaliate in, give it to me. I'll take it. Put it at my feet. I'll take it. Bring it. Come on, somebody say, bring it to him. Bring it to him. Jesus says he, it, 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 he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Isaiah 53, 7 says he was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. What kind, of, what kind of submissiveness is that? How? He knows the bigger picture. He knows what's going to happen. I think if we knew what was going to happen, if we knew how, what God was going to do, perhaps we'd be the same way. Maybe. Just maybe. Remember, we're trying to imitate Jesus. Right? That's who God has called us to, to, to imitate is God. And so if we're to imitate him, we're, we're to try to be just like him. Now, we know we won't be exactly like him. We won't be perfect in all of the ways that he is perfect, but we can certainly try. I think it's, I think it's ridiculous for us to say, well, you know what? This is impossible to follow, so I'll just follow something else. That, that's not how this is supposed to be. We are, we are to try and do our best. And if Jesus is, is not opening up his mouth when there is accusations and oppression taking place, we are to do the same. You know, I told you about the the Christians in Nigeria who were being persecuted, 4,650 alone last year were killed for being believers. There was a pastor by the name of Andrew who uh, a local terrorist group came in and destroyed their church. You could find this on Open Doors USA. Open Doors USA tells you about some of the persecution that's taking place. And what did the people do? Well, they fled like a lot, like a lot of us would probably do. We would just get out of here. That's happening. My home is burning. I'm getting out. But a guy by the name of Andrew, one of the pastors there, had a church that was burnt to the ground, lost his home, decided to stay. Instead of coming up with plans on how to get back, instead of coming up with plans how to retaliate, instead of making up threats, what did he do? He just prayed. He entrusted that which he could not control to him who could control it. And I'll tell you this. You read the story. Opens door, open doors, USA. What the enemy sought to destroy, God multiplied. What the enemy sought to destroy, 
God began to multiply. His church is still there to this day. That was in 2015, and it's bigger than it's ever been. I wonder if we could take the approach of Jesus. I'm not going to open my mouth. This is, he, he was perfect in submissiveness. Look no further if you're looking for an example when it comes to sinning and submitting. Here's number two. First one is Jesus sets the example. Number two, Jesus does the saving. Look at verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die. Somebody say die. That we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Where did he take your sins? Right up to that tree. Where did he take your shame? Right up to that tree. Where did he take your penalty that was supposed to be for you? Right up to that tree. But I want you to understand that the cross doesn't doesn't just represent deliverance in we are being delivered from the penalty of sin. But here we find that the cross represents the deliverance from the power of sin. I mean, how many of you thankful that you are no longer being held to the power of sin? It is no longer the power of sin that runs me, but it is the spirit of God that runs me. So this is what the cross represents for you. This is what it represents for me. Not just deliverance from the penalty of it, but from the power of it. Notice that it says that we might die to sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. There was a debt that was owed, and there was a debt that was paid right up on that cross. In fact, I'll share a quote from you by Spurgeon. It says, He who bore my sins in his own body on that tree took all my debts and paid them for me. And now I am dead to those debts. They have no power over me. Again, I'm so thankful that my sins no longer have reign or power over me. I am dead to my sins. Christ suffered instead of me. I have nothing to do with them, and I love this part. They are gone as much as if they have never been committed. Come on, that is freeing, church. That is, that is liberty for your soul. If you're a believer in this place, that is liberty for your soul right there. They are gone as much as if they have never been committed. You know, scripture says if you are faithful and just to, to you know, ask for forgiveness, he, he, is, he will forgive you of your sins, or he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And I love the passage. We say it all the time. He casts our sins as far as the, the east, because that's the east right there, and, and west. You know, I was like, man, God is like throwing our sins, you know, over there and over there. Like, where are they going? You know, like what's, somebody else is catching them probably, you know, like what's happening? And, and I love this thinking that, you know, I I think I learned this years ago that, that God isn't forgetful of your sins. He doesn't like, oh, I totally forgot Jacob did all those sins when he was 17, or I think it was 16. You know? He didn't forget all those things. But he chooses no longer to use them against you. That's what it means, that he chooses to no longer use them against you. All your, some of you need to be living in that You have been living in your past sin. You have been living in your past mistakes. But God is saying, I died on the cross. You are now dead to those sins. They have no more power over you. Stop living in them. Stop walking in shame. Come on, stop walking in shame anymore. I didn't call you to live in shame. I didn't cause you to live in guilt. I caused you to be set free from that. That's what I've called you to do. And so some of us need to just be reminded that we have been set free. No longer sin has the power on us. I love what it says, by his wounds, by his stripes, 
We have been healed. Remember, God saved us from eternal punishment. Now has given us an opportunity for, for righteousness. But it was by his wounds, it was by his stripes that we were healed. Now, it's interestingly enough, many of us kind of take this out of context here a bit. And we assume that, man, by his stripes, I can be physically healed. Well, Peter is quoting from Isaiah chapter 53 when Isaiah says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we, we are healed. Isaiah isn't referring to a physical healing. He is referring to the forgiveness of sins. You see, sin was a disease, a disease that needed to be healed. And by Jesus dying on the cross, he healed you. It wasn't for physical ailments. Because some of you know when you got saved, you weren't healed physically. Some of you have been praying, you're not always healed physically. But spiritually, internally, come on, I'd rather be healed internally than outwardly. I'm thankful for the inward healing that took place on the cross. So by his wounds, that's what we sing. I find freedom in the cross, and I find healing because of his stripes. If it wasn't for the cross and Jesus dying on it, there would be no chance for salvation. So I thank God for the cross. I thank God that he bled. I thank God that he cried. I thank God that he would do all of that just to reach for you and I. I thank God for the cross. You need saving? Somebody say, look no further. If you're here today, you're here watching it online and you don't know Jesus and you've never made that personal commitment to step into a relationship with him, he has prepared the table. He has got a chair for you. All you need to do is sit down. He comes knocking at the door. You're looking for hope. You're looking for, you're looking for eternal security. Well, look no further than Jesus because Jesus does the saving. And here's the third one. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. He said, for you were like sheep. Come on, somebody say, I'm a sheep. And sometimes I go astray, and sometimes I wander off, and sometimes I get lost. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is number three. Jesus never stops restoring. You know, the cross represented salvation, but it also represents restoration. One writer put it this way, God has made provision not only for our salvation, but for our satisfaction. Come on, somebody say amen to that. God has not only made provision for our salvation, but for our satisfaction. This is why we weren't just in need of a savior, but we were in need of a shepherd. This is why many of us who have been in the faith for a long time, we realized that when we stepped into it, it wasn't, that wasn't all. It wasn't like, now that I'm saved, I could go back to my ways. Now that I trust in God, I can do whatever I want and go back to whatever I want. No, now that we trust in God, we stay as close as we can to the one who did the saving. We don't, we don't run from it. We don't abandon it. We stay as close as we can to it. Because we know that he is our provider. Now, now, this passage says that we were sheep going astray. Just because now I believe in this and I, and I, and I read this doesn't mean that sometimes I kind of fall into some other things. I mean, I think it's safe to say that none of us have been perfect since we've been saved. None of, some of us may be a little bit more perfect than others. And I get that. But so, some of us have just, we, we find ourselves, we turn to this, we close it. And then all of a sudden, the trials come, and, and we look for it, but we look past it. And, and, then, and then we look this way, and we start to find ourselves in other spaces and other areas, and we start looking to other things, and, and we get lost. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. That's why a shepherd has a staff with a hook at the end, so he can pull us right back in. 
How many are thankful that God has pulled you back in? You have been far. You have been lost. He has, I mean, come on. I am just, some of you know this more, more truer than anybody else. You, you, were, you were on fire for God. Your soul was all about God. And then thing after thing after thing, it just kept coming. It just kept coming. You were like, I didn't sign up for this. And you found yourself in a dark place. And all of a sudden, you saw that staff coming through. You saw that person from church coming through praying for you. You saw the presence of God all of a sudden begin to fill where you were at and pulled you right back in. And you, you are here today and you are living differently than you lived before. You, you, you're not here to get saved again. That's not what we're asking. You're here to be found again. You're here to be restored again. You're here to find healing again. You're here to find restoration again. This is what Jesus does so well. So where are we going to? What are we looking to? Where are we searching? If you know where to go, if you know who to go, as sheep, sometimes we just need that little, that little push from a pastor at church or that little nudge from a coworker or that little text from somebody. You know those some of you have gotten a text message that has changed your life, that has brought you back to church. Some of you have gotten a phone call. Some of you, it was just one service you showed up to, changed your life forever. Jesus never stops restoring. You know, it was, it was St. Augustine that said, our souls were made for God, and we are restless until we find rest in him. If you knew who the provider was, that could provide all the things that you need, then why aren't you next to him? If you know who the one that is bringing the blessings, then why are you somewhere else? If you know the one who is bringing restoration to your soul, then why aren't you there? Come on, we, we have to be there. Tell the person next to you, it's time to be there. It's time to be there. We can't go anywhere else. We can't look anywhere else. We can't search anywhere else. We can't look no further than Jesus. Stop looking for a hope somewhere else. Look no further than, than right here, this person, this story, this cross. This represents not only salvation, but it represents restoration. So look no further. You know, my, my son and I, my oldest one who's four and a half now, we, we share this like passion and burden to eat as much popcorn as we can anytime we can. Any popcorn lovers out there? Oh, man. I went to somebody's house one time and they took a full stick of butter one bag full stick of butter melted it and dumped it in there I was like glory to God this is kind of glory Woo! in here my God you know when I go to the movie theater I, I don't do this anymore because I'm a little bit more you know older and wiser and I, I want to live for my kids but I used to go to the movie theater and I take a straw you know the butter thing that they have I take a straw and I put the straw in it and I take the popcorn ball and I push the straw and the butter comes and I just slowly move my my popcorn down so the butter just gets everything. it's crazy you know? it's like 101 hacks on how to how to go to the movie theater so now I don't do all the butter I just do all the salt that's what I do it's a little more healthier but I'll tell you what anytime the popcorn is popping the kids come knocking man they just they're like at my heels I'm like yo what are you doing they know like when daddy's making popcorn like it's time to eat popcorn and and they're it's funny uh, they're like little ducklings like everywhere I walk they just follow me I'm like yo chill you know I'm just throwing like a little pop here have one you know and they uh they'll 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 go where I go they sit right where I sit and they, they sit right on top of me I'm like dude give me this is what I've learned about being a parent you have no personal space no personal space they're all in your face. My son's in my face, sneezing in my face. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you can't do that, all right? 
Um, uh, so, uh, you know, we, so we're sitting there eating popcorn, and they'll sit next to me. They're just, they're just, I have to make another batch because they're eating it all. But they know who the, uh, they know who the popcorn provider is, right? They, they know. Daddy, if there's popcorn coming. In fact, when we watch a movie, my son's like, popcorn? I'm like, you're right. Let's go get some popcorn. And I just, I just wonder how so many of us at times, myself included, we find ourselves so far from the Savior, so far from the shepherd. We are in need. We are hurting. We're in need of God coming in and shaking and changing our life. And yet we're so distant. Some of you, it's been, a, it's been a while since you've been back to church. You've been just miserable for a long time. You're asking, God, why aren't you doing anything? God's like, why aren't you showing up? Not that you need to show up to to be, to be changed. I believe God to change you there, but I'm just saying, we, we've been so distant. It's time to get closer, right? Come on, it's time to get a little bit closer. It's time to get a little bit closer to Jesus. It's time in the middle of our persecution to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Look no further than Jesus. Who is your provider? Jesus. Who is the greatest example? Jesus. Who will do the saving when you need saving? Jesus. And who is bringing restoration to those who are hurting and broken, who are lost? Jesus. So look no further. I will find rest, but it's only when I find rest in him. Come on, how many of you could use some rest today? Would you stand to your feet? Come on, it's the cross that brings freedom. It's his stripes that bring healing. God, we're so thankful that your cross is not something that we saw long ago is not something that we still read about long ago and think, well, that was neat. But we understand that it was the one thing that gave us um, the, the, the hope, that gave us the chance to step into eternal security, eternal salvation, God. And so Lord, maybe today, for the very first time, somebody is in this room saying, I have been lost for a very long time, and today is the day that I need to be found. Come on, today is the day that I step in. God is knocking at my heart. I can feel it. Today is the day that I say yes to God. If that's you in this room and you have never given your life to Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer. Maybe you're here. Maybe you've been sitting under this, these teachings for a long time and you're like, I'm not really sure if, if, if this has all made sense to me, but I think it's starting to make sense to me now. I want you to pray this prayer and I want all of us in this room to pray this. And this is just a moment where you're saying, you know what? I recognize that I'm a sinner and I realize that I need a savior. But I don't just need a savior, I need a shepherd. But right now you need a savior who is gonna forgive you of your sins. Cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Come on, if that's you, would you just pray this prayer? Say, Heavenly Father, Lord, come into my life. Change me, forgive me my sins. Make me a new person. Help me to follow you for the rest of my days. Today and forever, I am your child and you are my father. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for those? I wanna encourage you, if, if you made that decision or if you need prayer at all, we've got those cards right in front of you. Grab that, please grab that. And what I'm gonna ask is, if, uh, when we're gonna worship for a little bit, if you need prayer for anything, myself, we'll have Eddie up here. I have some other prayer partners. If I can ask Steve and Becky, if you can make your way up here. Um, if you need prayer for anything, we'll make ourselves available. 
You don't, you don't have to pray with us, but we'll pray for you. You can come to the altar. We've moved these tables so you can pray. And we're going to talk about and sing about the son who suffered for you, the son who suffered for me, the one who said, you know what? My cross is bringing you freedom. My stripes are bringing you healing. So if you need that, you're more than welcome to come. You can pray. You can stay where you're at. But we're going to worship for a little bit longer. Is that okay, church? Come on, let's sing. Father, we thank you. Lord, we worship you, the blood and tears that you Still for us, we're so thankful for God. We're so Thanks thankful. so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.